Okay, well, let's, uh, you lift these things up as I pray. Let's pray. Lord, what a privilege uh, it is to just come before the throne of grace and come in Jesus' name. And he ever lives to intercede for us. And he hears our cries. And Lord, we can't even comprehend uh, how wonderful and how marvelous uh, you are that you can hear the cries of, of your people all over the, this city and this country and this world going on right now. Uh, Lord, uh, you're way above our thoughts. <clears throat> Whatever the highest thought that we can think about you is not high enough. So Lord, I, I just praise you this morning. We all praise you in our heart of hearts. We... we uh, as we have sung this morning, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Lord, help us to be like the angels, constantly praising you. And Father, we lift up this morning to you those in, in need. Um, uh, Sue McCormick, and be with her Wednesday as she has this test done. And Lord, I pray for her good health. Pray for Ben and Heidi as they're sick. And... and uh, Lord, I'd pray for Joe and Allison who, who don't know Christ. It's Daniel and Aaron. Uh, speak to them and witness to them and they're an example before them. You'd open their hearts and they would trust you, trust Christ. Lord, I would pray for Janine as, as she uh, is studying and preparing to be a counselor. And Lord, just give her strength and, and the wherewithal to do this. Uh, we'd pray for Eddie and uh, this cancer on his face and all that he's going through with that as well. We lift him to you, Lord, and heal him. For Pat uh, Cranton also, uh, for her malignancy and the recovery from that, for healing for her. Lord, <clears throat> pray for this group that we're forming in the church, the No Man Left Behind, and be with those of us who are uh, just sort of uh, coming together and see what God would have us to do, Lord. Just guide us. Uh, Lord, we would pray uh, that Stuart's dad would come uh, to the men's prayer breakfast. And so, Lord, we lift him to you. And for Carl and Sue and, and all that they're going through and just uh, encourage their hearts. Lord, and, and Lord, when these things come against us, help us to focus even more on our, our wonderful Lord and Savior. For Gail and her sickness, Lord, we lift her to you. And for the election coming up, Lord, uh, your will be done. Lord, I pray that each one of us would go vote. And uh, Lord, if we don't vote, <clears throat> may we be silent. But uh, also for Jeremy and his loss of his job, that you would open doors for him. Also for Andrew and, and David as, as they go and uh, do this work at the cruise terminal. Give them strength and watch over them. And uh, we thank you, Father, every day for supplying all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Lord, what, what a gracious God you are. 
You love us when we fail you. you. You're always faithful when we're unfaithful. Lord, we just, we just cry out right now. Lord, we love you. We love you as you first loved us and still do. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful and precious name. Amen. <clears throat> this morning we're looking in <clears throat> the gospel according to Mark, but it's interesting as we look at this triumphant entry or Hosannas to the King, you could call this sermon a lot of things. This is also called Palm Sunday. This is not Palm Sunday, but I'm, I'm teaching it. Uh, this day because we're going through Mark. And uh, so don't think of the day, but think of the event and how God can use this in your life even if it's not Palm Sunday. <clears throat> so uh, this is found here in Mark 11. It's also found in Luke 19, 28 through 44, which is a very lengthy reading, and I was going to read that, but we wouldn't even have time to preach. It's pretty lengthy, so... I want you, though, to go and, and read these on your own. I'm going to be mentioning some of the things this morning. It's also in John 12, and so it's also in Matthew uh, chapter 21. So it's mentioned in all four Gospels. That's how important it is. Uh, this is something that we can uh, learn from. This is when Jesus, of course, rides into Jerusalem triumphantly on a colt, the fold of an ass, and and on a, a, a young donkey. And uh, I want to emphasize this morning the importance of really praising God. And what praise really is. What does that look like in our lives? Because we have here in this city, everyone, it says, was praising Him. Shouting, Hosanna. We're going to look at that what, that, what they were actually saying. And they knew what they were saying. But um, do we have the life that backs up the praise? Do we praise because we have a changed life? In other words, why do we praise? I think we praise, we should, because of what he is doing in us and for us and through us. And he gets all the praise and all the glory. Whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory and praise of God, as Paul says. And so there's much here, and uh, so just bear with me. But that we would not only worship him and praise him with our lips, but with our lives, and that we would really mean it when we do praise. Because don't you find it? I do. It's easy to come to church and sing and sing and sing and, and then you go, where's my heart in all of this? You can go through the motions and not really be singing praises to God in your heart. And, and that breaks the heart of God. And by the way, you, you can fool us. But you can't fool God. He knows your heart. He knows what's there. He knows if you've been changed. 
if you're empowered by His Holy Spirit and you love Him uh, and you are come to worship, He knows that. And don't try to fool Him. You can't. You can fool us, but you can't fool God. You know, sometimes, and I don't do it here because I'd probably be cast out, but sometimes some, some songs that are just powerful and anointed, I call, I'll, I'll start dancing and just close and just worship. And I'm, you know, maybe I shouldn't have, y'all may just kick me out now, I don't know. And I'm not saying we need to turn into a church that's doing that, okay? Or that you have to do that to show you're a Christian. No, it's the heart. But if you're getting excited over the Alabama-Auburn game, and screaming and hollering, but I love Jesus. Something's wrong. Well, I don't want to offend anybody. Offend them. One day we may have to stand in an arena and be fed to lions. I don't think they could get. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. And is God in us, the hope of glory? And He'll give us the grace to do that if we're called upon to do that. But Christians in the first century, second century, worship God because of what He had done for them. So, anyway. We see, first of all, when the crowd sing praises, Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? Because he knew that they were praising him for the wrong reason. They were not praising him because he was going to die for their sins. He was not, they were not praising him but for one reason. Why? To overthrow the Romans so they could have peace and, and be blessed. And first, what we see here, first of all, if I can find the clicker. Oh, here it is. You know, I should probably get all this here before we start. But uh, in Matthew 21... We find that this is a, first of all, his coming into the city was a fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. And in Matthew 21, 4 and 5, it says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to, say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle. Notice, gentle. We're to be like Jesus. And mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Wow, that's, that's an amazing thing. The creator, the great I am, as Carl pointed out, comes riding into Jerusalem humbly, gentle, meek, and mild. For brothers and sisters, that's not how he's coming back. And you better be ready for him when he comes back. We find in other uh, accounts, the mother donkey was brought to bring calmness, I think, to the coat. 
his ride into Jerusalem publicly declared his kingship, that he was the king of kings. He rides in Jerusalem publicly, openly declaring this as the Lamb of God, as the king, to be sacrificed for the sins of the people, but they missed it. And let's just read now uh, verses 1 through 10 of Mark chapter, uh, 1 through 11 of, of Mark chapter 11, just to sort of get a feel of what's going on here. Uh, as they approached Jerusalem at Bethanage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a coat tied there on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? You say, The Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it back here. They went away and found a coat tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. Some of the bystanders were saying to them, What are you doing untying the coat? They spoke to them just as Jesus had told them, and they gave them permission. They brought the coat to Jesus and put their coats on it and sat on it. And many spread their coats in the road, and others spread their leafy branches, palm branches, which they had cut from the fields. Those who went in front and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple. And after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany with the twelves since it was already late. And again, the other accounts are worth reading, and I would encourage you to do that. For time's sake, we're not going to do that. But the nature of his kingship, we find here, is seen in what he writes. In other words, everything in the scripture is given for a purpose. Not only did he do this for prophecy's sake, but it shows the nature, the nature of uh, his kingship. He didn't come in on a big white stallion. He's coming again, brothers and sisters, with a shout. What is he going to be on? A horse, a big, probably a big white stallion. It's going to be pretty impressive. And uh, he comes as a humble lamb. He is the king of peace. He comes on a coat. And he's described as we saw in the verse. He is gentle. He's meek and mild. And let me ask you again. Are you gentle, meek, and mild? Because we're to be like Christ. And it should describe us. He doesn't come to overthrow the Romans, but to make peace between God and man. Hallelujah. Do you, do you, what did Paul say? This overwhelmed Paul too. Therefore, having been justified by faith, declared righteous by believing, by trusting Christ, we have what? With God, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He is riding in to his death. He's going to be crucified. He allows himself to be arrested, falsely tried and accused, crowned with a crown of thorns, and led as a sheep to the slaughter. But he is riding to victory. Isn't this amazing? I mean, it's just an amazing story. He's riding to victory over sin and death for us. What love. Let that just overwhelm you. He did this for us. How do I know that? 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in what? Victory. Victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Paul says the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But watch, but thanks be to God who gives, uh, whom? Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, you're victorious in Christ. Not because of anything you've done, but what he did for you. His humbling, as, as uh, Andrew, that was a perfect passage to read from Philippians. He did it for us. His ride shows obedience to his father. That's in Mark 10, verse 45. To give his life a ransom for many. Did you notice when you read this, or when we read it this morning, he knew where the coat would be found. Why did he know where the coat could be found? Because he's the great I am. He is God-man. And that came through, uh, in the, comes through in the scripture in, in, in places. And then they say, <clears throat> what if the owner says something? And he says to them, because the Lord needs it. Boy, that's a profound statement. Because the Lord needs it. You mean the Lord needs me? Sure does. Is that our response to God? Because the Lord needs it. With all that I own, not just 10% or 20% or 80%, it's all His. The Lord needs it. It's just an amazing, an amazing thing. This, this really is a picture of obedience by everyone. It's a, an you know, It's a picture of obedience by Jesus going in, uh, by his disciples going to get the coat, and the owners of the coat letting him have it. So we see here real obedience. It also illustrates this right in Jerusalem, the excitement of sacrifice, of giving. These people were so overwhelmed that their Messiah had come that they were willing to do anything, to give anything. Is that true in your life? Has he done that much for you? That you're willing to give him anything, everything? I think when we, one day we'll realize that, and we're going to wish we'd done more, 
because we, he, he owns it all? I really believe that. But we see the excitement of the sacrifice. They put their coats on the donkey. That's a humiliating thing anyway, isn't it? Because you've got to get that thing off and wear it again. And they put their coats even on the ground for the donkeys to ride on, to step on. Others take branches and they begin waving the branches, the palm branches. What is that a symbol of? It's a symbol of rejoicing. These people got excited about their Messiah. Do we get excited about Jesus? And we should. We sure should. Is he real in our hearts? Let me ask you this. Has he come triumphantly into your heart? We have him triumphantly going into Jerusalem, but not into their hearts as, it, as he had to be sacrificed and died. But let me ask you, has he come triumphantly into your heart? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Is he your all in all? I hope he has. That he has come triumphantly. We see also the outpouring of praise in Mark 11, 9 and 10. The basis of the praise is what he had done. All the miracles, remember Lazarus had just been raised and uh, they, they had seen everything he had done. This has to be the Messiah. They praised him also for who he is. The Messiah, the King. What does it mean to praise? What does it mean to praise? We find in Luke chapter 2, uh, the angels were praising to the shepherds. Uh, but it means basically to ascribe worth, to recognize the worth of someone. What is Jesus worth to you? These are questions you ask yourself and be honest with God. You know, in the book of Revelation, you know, we think, boy, these angels, you know, they, they get carried away and those in heaven, they singing all the time. And What about us? Revelation 5, 11 through 14. Then I looked and, and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a what kind of voice? It's not, praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. With a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing, praise. And every, uh, and every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea, and all things in them, I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Wow. Let me ask you, do you fall down? Now again, you don't have to literally fall down, okay? Because you can actually literally fall down and not be falling down in your heart. Okay? So I'm not talking about... But 
Have you, do you fall down before God? You know, really, when we're bowing our heads, what are we doing? That's an act of falling down, of a humbling of ourselves. We're bowing before the King of kings and, and Lord of lords. When they cried this, Hosanna, they cried out. And it really means cried out. It's not like, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. You know, and a few people getting excited. If you'd have been there, I don't think you would believe what was going on. I think you would think, these people have lost it. These people are crazy. What in the world are they acting like this for? But they were crying, crying out. Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? Save now. That's what it means. Save now. Now they're not saying save our souls by dying on the cross. That's not what they were thinking about. What they were thinking about was what? Save now. Save us for the Romans. You know, come in and, and Messiah. They were looking for a Messiah who was going to overthrow and, and set up uh, the kingdom on earth and so forth. That's going to happen. But they didn't understand he must die. But truly, God's salvation had come, see? But just not in the way that they thought. Hosanna to the son of David in Matthew, the Messiah. In the highest heavens is the idea. Hosanna in the highest heavens. This is appeal to God that he will save and bless his people. That's what they were, Lord, we need your blessing. We, and, and brothers and sisters, we need God's blessing. Are we crying out? Or is he saying, all I hear is your lips. All I hear is your lips, but where's your heart? Amen. We are. We are blessed. Amen. He also, he says, it says here, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a reference to Psalm 118, 26. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. We do. We have his blessings. Amen. Matthew 11, uh, Mark 11, 10, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. This is some of the things you'll find in the other gospels. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. I think this is Jehovah's authority behind this. He is riding into Jerusalem with all the authority of a king because he is king. He is our creator. Amen. The only king. He is the king of all kings. The only maker. He has the authority of God behind him. And then in Luke 19 it says, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Why was Jesus coming? The answer is to bring peace. How did Jesus bring peace? And you know what's a neat thing? Is you can have peace in your heart. Even though there's not peace in the world, there's turmoil and, and uh, you have to be blind not to see that, but he brings peace in 
our hearts to take, and he takes away the wrath of God. He took God's wrath. That's what Jesus did. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. That means forever. The blessings forever. Once you believe, you have these blessings. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You don't trust Christ, the wrath of God abides on you. Just as clear as it can be. But thanks be to God, uh, we can know him. There's no more wrath. No more wrath of God. It's gone. The wrath of God is gone. And there is peace between God and man. We see the enthusiasm of their praise. They were shouting in Mark 11 in, in verse 9. In Luke 19, 37, joyfully praising. The enthusiasm of the praise. You know what? How enthusiastic are we about praising God? Something I have to ask myself when I find myself not praising God. Are we characterized by that? Are we murmuring, complaining about every little thing that's going on in the church or homes or husbands, wives, friends, neighbors. But are we enthusiastic? Do we have the enthusiasm of praise? Somebody said, I think it's really good. The hosannas were, long, were loud, but not long. The hosannas were loud, but not long. These same people in less, <clears throat> in less than a week <clears throat> were going to cry, crucify, crucify. Don't we find sometimes uh, the praise of men is fleeting. Popularity is passing. You can be a great quarterback, wins the game one week, and yet be booed the next week by losing a game. Amen. Sometimes the very ones we pour our lives into turn against us. They'll be friends to your face, but will talk about you behind your back. Brothers and sisters, let this sink in. And I mean it. Are we talking about others behind their back? But we'll call them a friend? That is not a friend. A real friend is a person who loves at all times, who stands behind you, who can count on, you can count on to cover your backside when you're going forward. That's Jesus Christ. 
Amen, brother. It's Christ. Christ is the one who is going before us. Let me ask you, are you a friend like that to anyone? How could this happen to our Lord within a week? These same people who were singing Hosanna are now saying, crucify him. Three reasons I think this happened. Their praise was based on an accurate expectation. They were looking to be delivered from the Romans and their their problems, and yet we find uh, their problem was sin. And so they cried, save now. God, you saved us in Egypt. You took us out. Save us now. But Jesus was coming to die for their sins. Amen, brother. Amen. You know, you can... uh, Expectations. We get married with expectations of the other person. We have friends that we expect things from. And they fail us. And so what do we do? We get bitter. We take it out on them. We come to a church and we expect everyone to be perfect with no flaws. To just love us and hug us and just be wonderful. And so we don't find that and so we go somewhere else looking for it. Remember, you can become a prisoner of your own expectations. We see secondly... Their praise changed when false charges were laid against our Lord. The people accepted these charges without even questioning them because of the religious leaders and what they said. Brothers and sisters, religious leaders can be wrong. Don't take something I've said just because I say it. You go and you study it in Word of God. These Jewish leaders were angry men. They hated Jesus. And yet they're the ones who should have loved him the most. They saw Jesus as a threat to their position and their power. Jesus had spoken out against their sinful ways. And so they only had one verdict for him, and that was guilty. Even before he was tried, he was guilty. They had made up their mind. It's sad to say, angry men and women are more dangerous than someone with a gun. That's kind of a bold statement, isn't it? But let me ask you, what can destroy just as much as a gun? Also, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Just throw a match. Okay, just a little old match. And after a while, you can have a forest fire that burns thousands and thousands of acres. And the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life. And is set on fire by hell. 
for every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Be careful what you say and to whom you say it. Amen. It is. And the tongue is a, is a weapon. And, uh, and so they listen to these, these uh, false accusations. And they charged him with blasphemy because he said he was the son of God. But you know, this wouldn't get him killed. And so they <clears throat> took him to the Romans and they accused him of saying not to pay their taxes, which is not true at all. In Luke 20, 23 and 2, he taught to, you ought to pay taxes. False accusation. They say, well, he's king and he's going to overthrow Caesar. Yeah, he was king, but not a threat to the Roman power. These people did not question the charges. The saddest probably one <clears throat> is that no one came to his defense. Think of that. None of it was true. All the accusations, no one comes to his defense. <clears throat> we need to come to one another's defense and stand up for one another. It may come to that someday. We're talking about Jesus being a perfect person, perfect in every way. Joseph of Arimathea was not there, and if he had been there, he probably would have spoken up. Why he wasn't there, we don't really know. There was one person who could have stopped this whole thing, and that was Pilate. He could have said, this man, and he did, this man is innocent, and I'm letting him go. But because of the, of the people, and, and uh, he was afraid. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, that is Pilate, his wife sent him a message saying, have nothing to do with, this, with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, crucify him. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of, of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. It's amazing. Pilate knew he was innocent. And yet he would not take a stand. Pilate caved to the <clears throat> pressure and intimidation of religious leaders. He was a people pleaser. Are we people pleasers? He was a politician and didn't want to lose his position. So he washed his hands of the whole matter. And so did Peter. And, amen. And Peter also did that. Brothers and sisters, we have been falsely accused at times. I was falsely accused one time, and I was a treasurer in a church. Somebody called and said, you've been taking money out of the, out of the treasury. And I said, out of the, I said, what? He said, yeah, I just know you have. What, what 
evidence do you have? Well, uh, I just think you have. And not only me, but the pastor thinks that too. And I said, oh, he put you up to this. Well, yeah, he told me to call. Nobody came to me. Nobody checked the books. False accusations. And I was taking money. And I said, why? Do you know of $10,000 in cash that was given by someone and it's not there? I mean, what's going on here? Well, no, we just think you have. Now, who is in the midst of all of that? Satan. Believe me, it was devastating. We can... We, we are going to be falsely accused. That's, uh, Jesus was and so will we. But Jesus thought, saw through the hypocrisy of these people. Their praise turned to crucify him and he wept. And then he would wail over the hypocrisy he saw. He knew that the Romans were coming in 70 A.D., when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it. He knew that the, what was going to happen to Jerusalem, thousands of people were going to be killed. And he knows the hypocrisy that's going on in their hearts, and so he weeps. He weeps. Matthew 21, 14 through 16, it says, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. Now, this is a sort of a positive note. This is uh, after the triumphal entry. And he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were shouting in the temple, the ch- children, interesting enough, were still shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. And they became indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise for yourself? You know, it's interesting. Jesus didn't keep any of these people from praising him. He didn't say, Oh, no, no, no. I'm I'm not God. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not. No, because he was. He accepted the praise of these children. You know what? I, I think a child can really and truly praise God. I'm talking about the ones we have running around here. Why? Because they're genuine. They're genuine. They're not full of uh, doubts and, and anger and bitterness and all that we suffer with. You know what? I'd almost rather have a child praying for me than an adult. They believe. God uses even little children. He loved little, and he received praises for little children. I want you to encourage your children to praise God. Encourage them to praise God for what he has done. Let me ask you in closing, are you characterized by praise? Will your life back up your praises? And does your life back up your praises? Ask yourself that. I don't know whether it does or doesn't, see? But God does. He knows if you're genuine or not. He knows if it's just lip service to be men pleasers, like Pilate was uh, concerned about himself and his popularity and what other people would think. You know, we get into that, don't we? 
what other people think. What would they think if I raised my hand? Who cares? I don't care. Now, I don't want somebody jumping from pew to Yeah, I would get a little bit. But if you want to praise God and God has moved, do it. Now, don't do it just to do it. Uh, because that God wants your heart. He wants you to worship Him. Just like these people were doing even though they were ignorant of what they should have been praising God for, which was He was going to die for their sin. But still, they were praising Him because they knew and saw, gosh, this is the Messiah. I hope Jesus is real to you and I hope uh, you're praising Him. And, and if not, do so. Start. Begin. It's never too late. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you uh, that you're working in us both to willing to do of your good pleasure. Lord, I thank you for the, the, being able to praise you, uh, that you've given us this privilege. And uh, well, I would pray, Father, if there's anyone here who's never really uh, trusted Christ, who's never really come to him for salvation. Uh, uh, Lord, I pray that you would work in them in a mighty way right now. Just work in them uh, to trust you, to call upon the name of the Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God, give everybody grace to do that. And Lord, help us to be witnesses to those in this world. We need your help, O oh Lord. We need your power. We need your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.